It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Lacrosse fans, what is going on? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Episode number 87 is about to come your way. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jake Elliott, and I say us is another week means a brand new co-host. And we got a good one for episode number 87. He is the voice of the Colorado Mammoth. He is the voice of the Victoria Shamrocks. He is a former Borelli winner. He was a current Borelli finalist, so I guess former now again. Uh, avid golfer, bourbon makes him happy. He's a harsh Star Wars nerd. If you haven't figured it out yet, it's my good friend Teddy Jenner co-hosting here for EP87. Theo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. We have known each other a very long time, but never have we done anything like this, really. We've interviewed each other a couple of times, but we've never co-hosted a podcast together. That is a true story, Jumbo. Uh, appreciate you having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you're right. We have um, been in the same room on the same broadcast. We've done the same games, but we've never uh, done this. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know there's some good matches in the best fighter of all time competition, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we got the laziest goalie on earth coming on the show, so it'll be a fun time. <laughs> we do. I just posted... On Instagram, at Lacrosse Classified, by the way, that's uh, feeling a little lazy for episode 87 as uh, Dylan Ward will join us here from the Colorado Mammoth as we keep our kind of our theme going here as, uh, you know, Pat Gregoire, we had a Thunderbird on for him. Bermel was on. We had a Bandit on for him. Challoner was on. We had a Warrior. You get the idea. So Teddy Jenner this week, uh, we will have a Colorado Mammoth player on, but lots to talk about, of course, with who we had, Quick Sticks, Under Review, who you got all coming up, but I think... Probably the order of the day. Well, I know you uh, you went out for a round of golf this morning, Teddy, before uh, you, you came on to the podcast here as we record on a Monday afternoon, uh, an even 90 at uh, your home track there. But you're, you've been playing a lot of golf lately. Uh, I've got nothing else to do, Jake. Well, you're teaching yoga. I know you're doing no, that. No, but I haven't been able to do that for the first three months. I only started last last week was my first week back so okay um i've literally had nothing to do so a bunch of my buddies were members at a course here in town and um i found a, a very um decent rate to join as a social member so i can go out and play with them and i can bring guests and it's one of the harder tracks here on the island but uh, i'm beginning to like it and my game's slowly coming around i still throw up the odd seven or something mm. like that so yeah. um but uh, we played golf at Furry Creek one time. We did. Uh, and you dropped like a 45-putter with your space-age stand-up putter, <laughs> um, which was the highlight of the round for both of us. Yeah. that What a hole, that. Uh, that was the one out on the ocean. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolute beauty. So don't say that, though. I know you've been still plugging away on, on off the crossbar. you got a, a big one coming up this week with the deputy. Uh, Miss Jessica Berman coming on the program. Uh, look forward to that conversation coming out on Thursday for OTCB. This is uh, Lax Class. Uh, let's 
get into this, Teddy. I don't. Well, maybe we should talk about this because I think that the off the top here, and I feel like we may be in for a long episode here this week, folks. So buckle up. Uh, two guys that really like to talk lacrosse here this week, and and we got lots to talk about. As uh, a, usually, I would save this for quick sticks, but I think these are significant deals, and we need to address these right out of the shoot. Here is a little trade action on Monday. Yeah, this is this is like breaking news, but not really breaking news, but still at the same time breaking news. So we got to talk about this first. What a what a crazy Monday uh, after the long weekend and July first and July fourth and all that. And you know we were kind of getting into this time of the year. We we're thinking like, oh man, it's a month away until free agency. There's not really too many deals that might happen right now. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get an onslaught of. Uh, craziness and a lot of deals picks trades players uh i'm excited to talk about it so um let's let's not wait any longer all right so mac mitchell ending up with the riptide and and this is probably the least significant out of out of all the deals but uh your boy there former shamrock mac mitchell uh, former Mm -hmm. orangeville northman captain uh former vancouver player former new england player and now current riptide player but I like this move here coming from Rich List to, to get some experience, but some young experience into his lineup and and a guy that's a proven winner, a leader. And, and I really like the future, Mac Michelin. I think this is the home for him out there in New York. Yeah, I think this is a, a full-on Rich List move. Um, they're still without a GM, but he has GM experience, so he's making GM-type moves. And this is a nice pickup. You mentioned uh, a character guy, a leader of one of the greatest – um, franchises of all time. You don't get a C in Orangeville if, if you're a nobody. And anyone who's ever worn the C has gone on to great things. And I think Mac has a very bright future ahead of him. Um, he didn't really get the shot in Vancouver that a lot of us thought he would. Uh, he was great in New, in New England for the few times that he was in the lineup. And now Rich List brings him over. And I think he'll be a very heavily relied upon defender uh, in that defense because things that Rich List told me, they like a lot of their offense. Uh, they just need to shore up some holes on defense, and Mac Mitchell's a great starting piece. Absolutely, and and the deal, as we record here on Monday, came down, I think, a day or two ago. Derek Downs on the move again as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, I think, you know, I think Downs was a serviceable, serviceable piece in that Calgary roster for the year that it was, and I think now Calgary can move on from him, so they pick up, what, a conditional second or a second-round pick for Downs. Uh, New England gets a, a two-way guy that can play both sides of the ball. Um, so a nice pickup for them. And more news out of Calgary to come later on in Quick Sticks. But we'll focus on on the deals of the day here as Toronto and Jamie Dowick were involved heavily here, as were your Mammoth to Georgia Swarm uh, joining the party. Where do you want to begin here? Maybe we go with Jason Noble, Team Canada, 2017 Defensive Player of the Year, and I think a guy that's just starting to hit his prime right now. I I know he's on the back half of – well, he's turned the page on on 30 here, but, I mean, a lot of good years left here for for Noble. But Dowick giving up two firsts for him, and and that's a heavy price to pay. That's crazy, dude. That is crazy, Jake. This guy is, and we can we can play devil's advocate here if you want, Teddy, and and I'll and I'll defend the move. Like you're talking, a guy that is an absolute shutdown defender. The only guy I've ever really seen eliminate Tom Schreiber and and Lyle Thompson in in the World Championships. I'd never seen anybody really shut down Lyle, but I know he was playing on one leg. But 
This guy is a premier defender, but I, I will grant you two firsts is a two lot. Two is way too – a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. A lot, dude. Like, if you would have said, like, maybe first and a second, first and a third, or first and, and another player for Nobs, I get it. Two firsts is shocking to me. Um, but, uh, you know, Jamie Dalek obviously has a plan in place. He made some other moves we're going to talk about to really start to beef up and shore up that defense in front of Nick Rose. Um, and, you know – for all the crazy moves John Arlotta has made as a general manager of this former organization, you cannot argue with his success. No. Right? And yeah. and he constantly does this. He gets guys that are five, six years into their career. He understands their values really high. And Pat Gregor would love it. You know, find a guy with the right value at the high peak of his career, move him for what you can. And he's getting value for guys, yeah. and he did it. He did it in the Colts trade as well. Now this is really what John Arlotta does in his in his business life as yeah. well. As he looks for kind of fledgling companies, he buys them up, turns them around, and then flips them for a profit. So yeah. this is what he's done. And, and back when he was shipping guys like Crawford and Suter and Benash and Kirk, and the list goes on, everybody was thinking, "What is going on? Like, what is he doing?" But there was the championship uh, in in 2017. So it, I don't know if we're going to see that again. Georgia's still a very good team, but they're overturning their roster a little bit here. But a, an interesting move as they kind of go the other other direction on this one is is we'll go back to Toronto here in a minute. But Dan Coates going to the Swarm, Zed Williams going to Colorado, and some draft picks involved in this deal as well. Yeah, Colorado uh, shipping their captain and a first rounder for for Zeddy Ball game and a second. And you know, when I spoke with with Brad Self, the assistant GM with the Mammoth, because when I first heard, I was like, "Really, this is the deal you're making? Like, there's got to be some more involved." And he told me, "Like, wow." He's like, "We needed to get more offensive production." And you know, I'm a huge fan of Zed's game. I just hope he can fit in with the chemistry of guys like Jake Ruay and Ryan Lee and Tyler Digby. I think he will be able to fit in there. But losing Dan Coates is huge. That is an emotional loss loss for the locker room. Um, I spoke with Dan today, and he said there's a lot of mixed feelings about the move. It came to him as a bit of a shock. But there is, you know, I think losing Jason Noble and picking up Dan Coates yeah, like, is very horizontal. It's very linear trade, right? Yeah, good point. They, they, lo- they lose nose, but they fill that hole right away. With Dan Coates. Coates coming off that knee injury for a couple years ago, but he is back to 100%. He was, him and Robert Hope led that D in Colorado. Like, there's no issues about what Dan Coates can bring. No. Um, he's, he's back east now, living back east. He was in Colorado for a bit, but he's now back east, so a little easier traveler for him. So I, I like the move by John Alotta in filling that hole instantly with a bona fide defender, but I think this move was made more important by Colorado getting offensive talent getting offensive scoring, and I really think they have a lot of faith in Brett Craig and Warren Jeffrey that they felt that they could move on from Coatsy. Yeah, and, and that probably leaves Kyle Killen as the odd man out, and we'll oh, see yeah. if, if he gets moved or not. And and I'm a, I'm a little surprised. I thought Zed was going to grow with that offense with Me Stotts and, and Miles and Lyle over there, but maybe just not enough room. And, and I think he's going to get a real opportunity to flourish there in, in Colorado. And – 
When you got Robert Hope sitting behind Dan Coates, I don't think you worry about the leadership factor too much either. This guy knows how to captain a lacrosse team and Hopey, so he'll get the C back on. He wore it when Coates was gone, and, and Colorado was just fine in that department. And and this might just rejuvenate Coatesy a little bit, a, a new change of scenery and new new team, and and uh, some Team Canada guys there with him as well. I think it's going to be a good move for both final big kind of deal and man where there's some big players involved yeah. in all these deals like he really like it just kind of came out of nowhere as well but Mitch DeSnew as an Oakville Rock player as is Jason Noble joining the Toronto Rock as uh, the Brockett ship who is now residing in Los Angeles by the way I don't know if you knew that or not Teddy Jenner but Brock living in LA now but he is now a member of the Buffalo Bandits, along with Alex Toulette as well, and uh, I think another draft pick in there as well, right? Uh, I believe so. first rounder. Yeah, we have to we have to be careful. There's we're talking about two different Brockett ships here. Okay, There's David Brock, but he was not traded. No, we're talking about Brock Sorensen. Brock, yes, of course. Brock Sorensen, who missed all of last year uh, with that Achilles injury that he suffered in the Man Cup, he is coming off uh, an ACL injury from a few years ago. So this guy does have some injury woes behind him, but he is an absolute freak when he is healthy and when he can play. I just this is just another bit of a head scratcher for me to to give away a guy like Brock Sorensen, uh, a young player in Toulette, and then a first rounder for Mitch Desnu, who yes is a great physical big defender and has a lot of experience in Buffalo, won a man cup with Peterborough, but. I'll say I, this. I, I'll say this. Please, Teddy. please yeah. say it because I'm still trying to find. Well, no, I'm trade. I'm actually a little surprised that Buffalo let Disney go. Like I don't know where I heard the quote. It could have been on this program for all I can remember. But John Tavares talking about Mitch Disney, and he was like his top guy on that back end when mentioning Buffalo Bandit defenders. So I'm really yeah. kind of surprised to see. I know there was a lot of penalty trouble there with Mitch early in his career, but the, remember, this guy's coming up through the Whitby organization in the Keenan years, and he knows how to get it done and, and win in the big game as well. And you look back at it, I flip for what Brandon Goodwin back in 2016, yeah. but you think of the progression of Mitch Disney and how far he has come since then. And, and I think he's only going up as well. And for Brock Sorensen, like I said, living in LA now, he's got a lot going on in his personal life. He's been injury prone as well. I don't know how many seasons, never mind games, Brock Sorensen has left in that big frame. He's just such a big body and the game is so taxing on a guy's frame like that. And it, you've seen it. Like there, there's been injury after injury, and I love Brock Sorensen when he's yeah, healthy and right on the floor. There's no question about it. He just hasn't been able to do it. So well, at the well, again, the, the first chances? rounder though, Teddy, yeah. and I'm sorry, but mm. when when you're when you're shipping two off for Noble, that third one, man, like that, I get it. But holy cow, three firsts in I, one day. I don't, I don't get it. Period. I don't get it. Yeah. I, when, when, like, I understand if you want to win now. Well, that's it, you, right? I get that. They got the best D in the league. A lot of, uh, and I, I know there's a lot of uncertainty with with players in the draft, and if you're going to get them now, or you're going to get them next year. Like, I, I can understand that, but I just don't know how you can throw away three first rounders and and be okay with the future of your club. Well, I'll look at it this way, and and very similar to what you see with Western players in in Vancouver. Guys want to go home and play in Toronto. Near, and and that, that's an advantage they will always 
have. Mm-hmm. So getting guys in in free agency, unrestricted free agents, guys late in their career, it, that that's where they're going to land. And I, you're right. I think Jamie wants to win now. I think he sees an opportunity to get it done now. And you look at their defensive roster now, like, Good luck, scoring, good luck scoring goals against Toronto. I put that defense up against Saskatchewan's now. Yeah, yeah, they are big, physical, and fast. And they like I, I don't mean to say that they've gotten away from their future because they still have a lot of young guys out that back door. Um and, and some guys that are coming through the system. I get that. But uh it's just crazy to me. What are the, what are the chances with, with Brock living out in LA that somehow the mayor uh, Pat Merrill um, tries to wheel him out into San Diego yeah, somehow, some way. I think that's, you know, even even if he's thirty now, in two years he's going to be a UFA. Maybe Brock is is still trying to get healthy, and maybe he puts a year and a half in Buffalo and then gets shipped. Who yeah. knows? But if if you're settling in LA, you don't want to be and playing in the East. That's a lot of a lot oh. of travel. Yeah, no, I I don't think you can do it. Like I don't think you can do Especially it. So for a guy who's had those kind of injuries. Yeah, right? and and I mean sitting on that plane as a guy that's yeah. six seven or whatever. Like I, I I don't know, man. I when we see deals like this, it's usually a domino effect. So don't be surprised if you start to see a few more come down the pipe here in the next few days because sometimes guys will make moves just to make moves so they can make another move. And I and I think you know it's. It's all how GMs feel about this draft, too. And that if we're seeing picks floating, like how many first-rounders is that on one day? Four first-rounders that went. Colorado sent one. Yeah. Toronto sent three. Like that's four first-rounders that flipped hands in, in one day. And we, we're still crazy early in July. Crazy right? like, stuff. Crazy if, stuff. If this, if this draft is going to take an effect uh, on, on draft picks, then we could see um, multiple teams moving picks. Who knows? I think we but might. I, really, I think we I, might. I really, I really thought Colorado was going to. Hold on to that pick sixth overall and a draft that is decent or actually it's a pretty good draft, but you're not going to probably get those guys for two years. But I'm just always one to to be very reluctant of trading first round. Me and you both. But that's why we're up in the broadcast booth, Ted Jenner, and uh, we're not, you know, working out of uh, a nice lush GM office uh, somewhere for a professional lacrosse team. Hey, man, uh, that was a good opening, but we still have more to go here. We got we got Dylan Ward coming up in like eight minutes, so we got to get through who we had here rather quickly. And, and I think we can do it because two of these fights ended rather quickly. So stay with me here. But Rory Smith, 87 percent. I think this was like a knockout in the first 30 seconds of this fight. I'm sorry to the legend Bobby Salt, but you are done as uh, the baby-faced killer out of Mimico into the second round. No surprise here. The Mimico Mauler is uh, hands down my pick to win this. Okay. Uh, that's all you need to say. He's he's going final four for sure. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. something is seriously wrong. Uh, where do we go next? Let's go to the other wipeout here. And and my old buddy, Rusty Andre, my old junior teammate here, I, I talked about his move, the can opener back in the day. Not enough to get past big Timmy Bomberry. 71% here for Bomberry as he uh, TKOs Rusty Andre. I still remember him uh, in that, what, 96 Minto that was on TSN, that big bench clearing ball. Yeah. Oh, 
the tight polyester shorts. Uh, that guy's scary. Yeah. What a, what a great human, but just a scary, <laughs> scary man. <laughs> All right. I believe he was a res cop too. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but obviously a lot of love coming out of Six Nations for Bombberry. Yeah. The votes were pouring in, and, and uh, he gets it done rather easily. So on to the second round goes Timmy Bombberry. Two down, two to go here. Let's uh, keep it on the mainland for our third fight. As uh, maybe the biggest redneck in the tournament here, Teddy Jenner, Daryl Singbell. I know uh, you you matched up not not in the fisticuffs department, but you had to go up no. against Singer a few times in your playing days. Up that against hurts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Travis Irving here uh, again. I, I feel a little bad for Irving because he's probably most notable known for getting one punch by Paul Dawson, mm-hmm. and he had a good scrap here against Singer, but 51% over 100 votes once again as Daryl Singbell moving on here, just edging out uh, Travis Irving and the judge's decision. I remember watching him when he was uh, – I think he was playing for the North Shore Indians, and uh, they were playing the Victoria Payless, and he was just teeing off on Paul Gates – arms all game long with wood sticks and Paul would just shrug him off and run right through. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he talked oh, to, I talked to, I talked about his breakaway prowess as well, because he had no <laughs> idea where he was shooting the ball. So goaltenders yeah. had no idea either. And, oh. and more often than not into the goal, it went, uh, all right, last scrap of this. And we only got two more weeks of opening round fights. We got this week and next week, and then we are on to the round of 32 as the bracket is almost, I can't believe it. Uh, we've almost made it through 32 fights here. Last one this week, or, or from last week, I should say, Trevor Stacy out of Six Nations going up against the X-Men, Teddy Jenner. I know you watched uh, Robbie DeZormo growing up. Played with him. Yeah. Uh, I played again. I actually fought Rob DeZormo in Queens Park oh, one I'm sure night. sure you did. Yeah. And and uh, I did pretty well. Thank you very much. Yeah. But uh, it's DeZormo, the X-Man, who comes out in top. This this is the, the closest I've ever seen a vote. 50.2% X-Man gets through. I actually saw uh, the X-Man a couple weeks ago. And uh, there's talk of a bunch of people going up to Del Howley's winery in Ooh, August. Elephant Island. Yeah, yeah Elephant Island. Get together. Okay. Um, but yeah, X-Men was a heck of a, a player, teammate, and a, a Victoria Shamrock captain back in the day. What a, what an absolute class act that guy is. But nope. he'd love to throw the fist. Yeah, he just he like he just liked to fight. Like he he would mm-hmm. be one of those guys that would smile at you while you're you oh, yeah. punching the fist. Yeah. 100%. Uh Elephant Island up there in Vernon, BC for Delbert Halliday's winery. I'm actually heading up there on Thursday, uh Peachland. I might take a little yeah. stop up there. Do it. I will. Do it. Trust me, it's a great spot. All right, uh, that was who we had. That was almost perfect timing because now we get to take a quick little break here, get a word in from the sponsor, Teddy Jenner, and then it's Mr. Lazy, the wall, Dylan Ward, coming up here from the Colorado Mammoth, quarter two of episode 87, Lacrosse Classified, next here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. 
Hey, this is Connor Fields of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. All right, lacrosse fans, we are back. This is episode 87 of Lax Class. My name is Jake Elliott. This is the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You just heard right there from the van. Vancouver Warriors at NLL Warriors. I know they were out uh, Golden Eagle there last week. Shot a little golf commercial. Uh, PR man, Teddy, speaking of golf earlier, uh, Dave Sheldon with the ace out there at Golden Eagle a couple of weeks ago. 118-yard par three, uh, knocked it right in. Uh, well, there was video of all the other guys playing, and I didn't see video of Sheldon's mm. ace, so it's a little suspect. But uh, that's awesome. Super stoked for him. I still have yet to get one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, NLL Warriors, uh, Twitter, Instagram, nothing's offside. VancouverWarriors.com. Don't forget, you got any questions about tickets? Uh, they haven't rolled out the new season ticket package yet, but uh, it's coming. But if you have any questions, hit the ticket tab there. You can drop your name and your number. Somebody will get right back to you. Uh, if you got any questions in the meantime, Right now, though, uh, welcoming back to the podcast, friend of the program, it's Dylan Ward, goaltender of the Colorado Mammoth in the PLL Chaos, uh, Six Nations Chiefs, Team Canada. I could go on probably. Uh, Dylan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me back. My pleasure, man. I I guess uh, we should probably just get the awkwardness out of the way here. I I know you came at Brendan Glasheen a a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on Twitter talking about how the the guy from New England is, is picking the, the team from New England who gets paid by New England. And then uh, I, I kind of came across like a perfect trolling opportunity and, and lobbed one out there to Glasheen who got you back pretty good. And the, But the, he sold me out and, and told told you that, that, I, that I tipped him off. Yeah, that he did. I mean, I, I love it. I love that, that – uh... You know, he was able to come back at me for the exact same thing that uh, he got that I got him on. But, uh, and and you, you know, were, players are supposed to be a little biased, right? Yeah, and you were you were a little upset that that Warren Jeffrey did not make the All Rookie Team, which I can I can get down with, man. Like I don't know how he didn't, but he he didn't. And yeah, that's not a that wasn't a slight at any of the guys that are on there, but I just look at the you know, the other all pro teams, the first and second team, and you have a balance of, you know, I think, I, I don't know exactly what it was, two or three O guys, two or three D guys, mixing the tranny guy and a, and a goalie. And then you look at the, the all rookie team and, you know, mind you, there wasn't a rookie goalie this year, but there was four, what, four offensive players, one defensive player and a faceoff guy. So, I mean, you know, need- if you're going to have everything else balanced out yeah and, like and, uh, are, are you on board with that dylan because that was kind of my my suggestion for for atna last week is that they need to kind of get away from the d slash tranny labels like i or figure out like what you know is it three forwards and two d and a goalie is it one d one tranny and three four like they need to have some sort of template here so it's clear for everybody no you know it's just so it's so gray now with uh i was, I was listening to um, you guys talked about this last week as well. It's like you guys were right. It's so great. There's so many guys that can that can go up the up the floor and play offense. And uh, you know, there's there's less and less guys who strictly you know go on to play defense, don't need mesh in their stick, and then come off the floor. So <laughs> it, it is very much the times have changed for sure. Still, um, 
the evolution of Warren Jeffrey and Brett Craig, how nice was that to watch from between the pipes? Oh, it was awesome. You know, I, I, I'd heard a lot of great things about Warren Jeffrey coming into the season. And uh, obviously I played against him in the MLL the, the summer before. And, you know, seeing him just headbutt John Grant Jr. for 60 minutes at a time when we playing each other. Um, I kind of knew what he, he would bring to the table. And to see him just come into his own and, and uh, become one of our top defensemen right away and, and see him match up with some of the best players in the league game in and game out was awesome. And then, you know, Brett Craig I'd heard a little bit about. Um, obviously, Andrew McBride was really familiar with him, coaching him in the junior ranks. And, you know, I'd heard some rumblings about him in uh, the WLA. But, um, you know, the way he was able to come in and, and uh, kind of find his game, took him probably about a month or two to really, you know, get comfortable in our system and, and what he could kind of get away with and, and where he could, you know, really chip in. But to see him become a regular as well, uh, you know, two huge bodies, you know, it's it's not it's pretty obvious the the look the look that Pat Coyle's going for in our DN and those guys fit that mold perfectly. So it was it was exciting to see those guys kind of come in and, and uh, make a difference right away and, and um, get get uh, you know significant playing time right off the hop as rookies. Does it make does it make the loss of Coatsy any less harsh knowing that those two guys are going to be here for a long time? Like I know I know losing Dan is unthinkable but it's happened but knowing that those two guys can step in right away does that lessen the sting a bit well it really just kind of puts things back into perspective that you know at the end of the day this is a business and mm-hmm. um you know losing a guy like Coatsy um personally you know that's just it, it i said in my tweet it, it stings and and he's a guy that i've gotten to know really well lived with him for a couple of years been my roommate on the road for for a couple of years now and um you know, he, he truly was, just, and he embodied everything that it meant to be to be a uh, Colorado man. So that, you know, there's no replacing Dan Coates, but those two guys um, definitely, you know, make that loss a little bit easier on the lacrosse side. But, you know, there's really just no replacing a guy like Dan Coates. And, you know, I wish I was, I've been talking to him a bunch since, uh, since it's happened. And, you know, I, I've told him uh, what I think about him. I think I put it out there. It's no secret. And, and uh, I wish him all the best until he plays uh, Colorado. Speaking with the laziest goaltender in the National Lacrosse League, Dylan Ward <laughs> here. Um, on, on the flip side of that, Dylan, and for people that don't know, I'm, uh, that's tongue-in-cheek there. But for people that don't know, I mean, this is a guy that you had to stare down at the, in the World Championships and, and any time that you faced the Georgia Swarm over the last couple of years in, in Zed Williams – this this kid's on the rise, and I think he's a star in the making. How pumped are you to, to get him onto the right side and start to work with guys like Rue and Digger? Oh, I'm stoked. And, you know, my uh, my tweet about Coach, was no shot at Ben Williams and, uh, you know, the kind of player that he is. He uh, He's an absolute bull. The guy is uh, borderline unguardable just with how big and strong he is, and he just never stops moving his feet. So I'm really excited for him to, to get into Colorado and, um, you know he's gonna he's gonna add another dimension into that offense that I think uh, you know we've been looking for for the last uh, year or two. When you came into the, the National Lacrosse League as a young goaltender, what was the easiest transition for you? Because when we look at some of these next generation goaltenders coming into the National Lacrosse League, everyone's thinking, oh, there's going to be an adjustment period. And it does often take some goaltenders a year, two, three, four years to really adjust to the NLL game and speed, but you were put in a position where you were given that job right away. What was the easiest transition for you? 
I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say any part of it was really easy. Um, obviously, growing up, you, you're used to playing a style with a smaller net, bigger stick, bigger equipment, and then you you know you come into the NLL and all of a sudden you're playing against you know the best players in the world week in and week out. Your your gear's smaller, your stick's smaller, the net's that much bigger. And you know, I'd say that whole first year was really a learning curve for me and trying to figure out what would work and what wouldn't work and. And um, I was just kind of fortunate to be in a, uh, an opportunity or have an opportunity where I got to play right away. And I think that ultimately, you know, helped me in, in uh, elevating my game quickly and, and becoming, you know, a, a top tier goalie in, in, the, in, in the, the run of it. So I think, you know, I was just uh, blessed with, a, with an opportunity to play right away. And, and uh, that's, that's really what helped me get my game where it is now. What was conversely? What was the hardest adjustment you had to make as a as a lesson for young goaltenders coming in? What was the biggest adjustment? Well, I think you know the the biggest thing I see with goalies now that are coming into the to the league is you know like I said you're you're playing in junior or senior with smaller net, bigger equipment and whatnot, and these goalies they move a ton, and that's not to say that goalies shouldn't move because obviously you know you, you want a goalie that that's mobile and, and and versatile but you know i see see goalies coming in that move almost too much and in junior and senior you can kind of get away with that because if you you know bite on a fake or if you react um you know maybe going the wrong way and throw an arm out that the area you're covering is that much smaller and you know the shooter might not be as good as what you're seeing in the nll whereas in the NLL, you you make a mistake and the ball is in the back of your net. So I would say to to a lot of goalies when they're coming in to just try and you know t- zone in on their on their movement and you know try and be as efficient as possible in their movement. Not don't just move to move like you can kind of get away with in uh, in the you know junior and senior ranks. As just, just sorry, Jake, before yeah. you go on, I just want to is is are wood sticks for young goaltenders a bad idea? Uh, I don't want to say no because, you know, obviously there's a, the awesome history of the game and, and uh, just the craftsmanship that goes into to the wooden sticks. But I think we're just getting to a point in the, in the, this sport where, you know, the game needs to evolve. And, um, you know, you see goalies at a young age and in the minor games, like you see scores that are like 3-2. And, you know, I'm all for a goaltender battle and a low-scoring game, but – at the end of the day, like lacrosse just isn't meant to have scores at like at three two or two one something like that, and I think that also hurts uh, goaltenders when they're when they're developing and then they come into the junior ranks where they just had to stand on their line and, and make saves and rather than move, and then all of a sudden now they got to move a little bit more, the necks get bigger and their game has to change. So you know I'm kind of at a crossroads where um, I, I I don't want to say. Like it's it's got to be one or the other. Like everyone gets yeah. to use wooden sticks, or no one gets to use wooden sticks. And yes. Until there's a rule put in about that, then I think you know you have to let the wooden sticks play. Gun to your head, Dylan. Yes or no to wooden sticks? Uh, I would probably say no, just because of the way the game's changing right now. And uh, you know, you see the the warrior they put out the wall, which is the plastic alternative to yeah. the wooden stick. Yeah. I think that's got to go away too. Yeah. I think you know, you just look at like. Hockey is an example, right? You don't have kids using humongous pads or humongous sticks in, in the youth levels. Everything's pretty uniform. Like right. they have the pro stock size equipment. 
but uh, so I would say no and just, you know, try and get everything as close to the, the NLL style or the NLL rules as possible from a young age. Yeah, I think that I think you're you're on to it right there as we speak with Dylan Ward. And, and I was kind of going to ask you, like Teddy asked you what was easiest for you. I was going to kind of ask you what you still work on now, like when you go to practice, what do you want to improve on? as a goaltender, but I think you kind of mentioned it, that you wanted to be more efficient in, in that read and react as uh, you like to say. So maybe I'll ask you a bit of a different question here. And, and it's almost time to, to turn your attention if you haven't already to, to PLL Island in Utah. And, and I know you're going to be kind of between the pipes and sharing time there with Blaze Reardon, but when you go from a box goaltender to a field goaltender, what do you think that the toughest adjustments for you to make are, changing disciplines well i mean first and foremost you know the the easiest thing to look at would be the equipment and you know you just have to get used to getting hit with the ball again without without uh do you ever get used to that do you get used to that uh i mean it you you never you yes you get used to it but i don't you never enjoy it like the ball is always gonna hurt there's no like there's no getting you know there's no enjoying getting hit with the ball without any equipment on but you know yes you do you do get used to to uh to getting hit without it, but there's no enjoyment there. But, uh, you know, that would be my main thing. And then obviously the second part is rather than trying to, to block the ball and, uh, you know, uh, keep a ball in front of me um, in the box style, I'm trying to catch the ball and, you know, um, try and use my body least amount as possible, catch the ball and try to go the other way in transition. So those would probably be my two biggest things when I'm, when I'm transferring over. How long does that adjustment take? Like, is it game action you need um, well, to see or a couple of practices or? I, I, it, it takes a while. You know, it, it, I would say a couple of weeks of really like focusing on one or the other. Uh, I, I know when I was in college and I would, you know, most of the time I was coming straight back from a Minto Cup to, uh, to fall ball practice. And uh, it would take me a good two, two, three weeks to really adjust from playing the box game all summer to getting back into playing the field game. Speaking of the field game, as a goaltender, you're always aware of situational stuff. The clock, the ball position, where guys are. Did Tom Schreiber have enough time to score that goal? <laughs> I, knew, I saw I, I, saw, I, I saw the guy, a couple guys were watching the film back over the weekend, just yeah. reminiscing, and they went back and watched that game. And I just Del- Delbs had a good tweet there. You see that one? Yes. Yeah, that was a good that one. one. That was yeah. a good one. Um, you, was there enough time? That was a fun tweet. But I mean, I want to say no, just because selfishly, like I want to win everything every time I'm on the field. But uh, you know, it's it's such a bang bang play, and and you know, you're looking at Rob Pinnell and, and Tom Schreiber. It 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 happens so quickly. So I, you know, it it, it was rule the goal on the field. I got to go with that. But selfishly, I obviously want to say no because I wanted to win that gold medal so bad. Yeah, I'll I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got screwed, man. We got absolutely screwed at the end of that game. Teddy, I think I'm good. Are you good? I got nothing uh, more. Yeah, I'm all right with that. All right, man. Hey, Dylan, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for being a good sport on Twitter. Thanks for being such a good goaltender for Team Canada. And and best of luck uh, with your chaos down in Utah, man. I can't wait to watch this. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate uh you guys having me on and then keep doing your thing. It's, uh, it's been fun to, to tune in and listen to the guys, uh, what guys have to say week in, week out. Appreciate it, man. That was Dylan Ward, goaltender for Team Canada, the Chiefs.
the mammoth and, and of course, the chaos here. And, and this is going to be an interesting. So like, I don't know, man. The chaos, I think, have the, the two best goaltenders on the planet on the same team. Yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting battle that whole two-week span down in Utah. I, I, like you and probably everybody else, am excited to see lacrosse, excited to see sports, but just I want to see how this all breaks down. Like, I, I love the PLL model. I think it's fantastic. And the fact that it's going to be on NBC and the Olympic time slot, like there's everything going for them in their favor. I just hope they can pull it off and everybody stays healthy and we get to see some absolutely insane lacrosse action because it's going to be awesome. Uh, ditto. Amen to that. Uh, that was quarter two. That was Dylan Ward. Great conversation there. Let's get to quarter number three, though, Edward. We got quick sticks and under review coming up. Stick with us. Lacrosse Classified, episode 87, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Brody Merrill from the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Last Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Back we are on Lacrosse Classified. My name's Jay Kelly. Thanks for hanging out with us right there. Associated labels and packaging. By the way, I think I forgot to mention Stampede Tack off the top for who we had. We got into that trade conversation. I forgot to mention my friends at Stampede Tack. Summer riding season is here, Teddy. The bikes, I've seen a lot of motorcycles out on the road over the weekend. You can't ride your bike without the proper attire, and it's all at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Riding gear, hats to keep you protected, boots, jeans, you name it. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Thanks to our friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, and also a big thank you to Associated Labels and Packaging, Sean Ashworth and the gang in Coquitlam here AssociatedLP.com, labels and packaging is their business. They are the best in it, and the environment is always top of mind at Associated Labels and Packaging. Family-owned, focusing on people, ethics, and quality. Uh, Teddy Jenner, Quick Sticks is up here in quarter three. Uh, we talked about, well, when we start here, we talked about uh, a little more Calgary news than just the Derek Downs trade. Uh, defensive coordinator, defensive coach Rob Sato-Williams stepping down from the Calgary bench uh, to spend a little more time with his family, a uh, new career opportunity as well. But Calgary, not only are they looking for a new D coach here, but uh, Kurt Miloski, I find out, is also unsigned right now. So Mike Board has uh, some some work to do ahead of him here to get his head coach re-signed, and then they got to fill up that bench as well. When you brought that to my attention, the one thing that I thought about was if they're not going to lose faith in Kurt Miloski after an 0-6 start a couple years ago and still got them into the playoffs, yeah. they're not going to lose faith in them after they finally breach that hurdle and win the title under Mouse. I really think they have to go ahead and get Kirk Miloski line, lined up, signed up, and under contract for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because... there's nobody out there better. No, 
He and, is, he, and he just nobody, won. He is so prepared. He is meticulous in his game notes. He knows every player from novice all the way through Masters lacrosse across <laughs> the country. Like he knows what's going on in the lacrosse world. Yeah. And I just, I just don't see. Like I said, after winning, I, yeah, yeah. after after struggles, and we all thought that one year they went zero and six. We're like, this is the year. Yeah. This is the year Calgary's going to move on from Mouth. And Ford has stood by him like a good general manager should. They brought him in. They said, you're my guy. Yep, I'm your guy. Let's go. And, you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see. What, and like I said, I believe they're going to get Mouse locked. Got to get it interesting done. to see who they bring in to be that defensive coach. Yeah, whether they, they allow Kurt to make that selection or they tell you kind of like uh, Kerry did in Rochester, like here's your here's your D coach. But yeah. for me, like I – I think you you need to reward Kurt for what he has done, especially now with with Sato stepping down. No more now than ever, you need that leadership and praise. And I think you reward Kurt for getting you to the championship and winning it. But I also think maybe a, a, a bit of a reprieve there is in order from Kurt for Mike Board sticking by him through some pretty tough times early on when things didn't look so great in Calgary and and. He stood by Kurt, so I think that they got to find the common ground there, and I think that they they will. Uh, I, I think I think I think you know with Mike having that loyalty to Kurt, I think Kurt has that loyalty sure. to Mike as well. And so, uh, but I think in this situation, I, I think they have to be a, a mutual decision. I think Kurt will kind of have some say. Mike will say, "Hey, Kurt, you know who do you know that's out there? Who do you want to work with? Let's put a list together and and hash this out." Yeah. Well, I told him, uh, if he, just tell me what kind of D he wants to run, and I'll I'll hang hang up the headset if he wants. I don't think I don't, my I phone has going to work. No, my phone has not rung. Uh, I, as, I think I think. Who do you think? I have more chance of becoming Rich List's general manager than you of <laughs> becoming Mike Ford's D coach. <laughs> I'd be willing to make that bet. We should All put right. that tw- poll up on All Twitter. Right. Who has a better shot? Jenner becoming the GM in New York or me becoming the D coach in Calgary. I love it. it. Okay. Uh, I don't don't know who's going to take that spot. Me either. Um, Me either. You know, uh, there are some scuttlebutt rumblings about a a certain coach that's already in the NLL that's from the Calgary, Mm. Alberta area. Mm. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that happens either. No. Um, But it could happen. Um, I know Kurt has a lot of connections yeah. in the lacrosse world, and I think he's got someone in mind. I think he's probably got a few people in mind, and I would imagine that that if they do sign Kurt, that a D coach is right behind him already signed. Yeah, yeah, and and when Kurt comes asking for you to come coach with him, I don't think too many guys are saying no either. So we spent a long right. time on one little quick stick, Teddy, that kind of goes against the the, oh, the whole concept of – It's my uh, first time. Yeah, no, uh, I, I appreciate time. it. All right, so compensatory picks handed out by the NLL, and this year more than any, it seemed like the value really kind of dropped out of these, especially when you look – at a guy like Brett Midsky, who only fetched mm. a second rounder. A lot of people up in arms of this, but this wasn't it. They gave San Diego two firsts to get him back. They don't even get a first for him. Meanwhile, Dan Dawson garners the first, but I guess defensive guy, the numbers aren't there. I don't know, but a second rounder for Midsky really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. 
Yeah, it, it, yes, I, I agree that I thought actually that should have been flip-flopped. I thought Doss should probably gotten a second for Worth and, and Mids. Mids. Mids is going to revolutionize the Vancouver Warriors defense this year. Yeah. I do not understand how it's not worth a first round, late first-round compensation. At least. It should be at least. Yeah. Moving on here on Quick Sticks, one voice, one team, Damon Edwards, Nick Rose, Latrell Harris uh, coming out with this initiative here via the Toronto Rock. And um, all three guys with white mothers and black fathers, bit of a unique situation here in Toronto, but they are telling their story, and I think it's an important one. I agree. I think these are stories that we need to continue to tell the National Lacrosse League. And uh, kudos to the Toronto Rock and, and those three guys for getting that story out there and using their voices because we need to continue to do it. Speaking of uh, stories that need to be told, and, and a lot of talk uh, last week about the National Lacrosse League coming up with a award for the best or top Indigenous player of the year. So I got a text actually from my man Schatz, Jeff Shatler, he said, hey, I need. We, we've been talking about this. Who do you think is the highest all-time scoring Indigenous player in National Cross League history? And I was like, hmm, who is that? And I, I started racking my brain. I went to my man GP, Graham Perro, for the official, but it, it's it's Jeff Schatler. He's number one. He's 16th all-time in NLL history just as a player, but he's number one as far as First Nations goes. 851 points for uh, the legend, the veteran, Jeff Schatler. So I wanted to give him some some kudos here. Yeah, and, and Schatz is one of those guys that plays the game the right way. Oh, my we, God. I don't think there's a single person across this sport that has a bad thing to say about Jeff Schatler. Um, and he's just been so consistent. And the one thing that I've always loved about Shatler, and, and it's something that I heard about him even back in his rookie year, and and the Calgary staff said, you know what, we could put him on the floor, lock the doors, yeah, and he would never come off the floor, and he would still have tank by the end of the game. Yeah, he's just always in incredible shape, but he moves so smooth and silky, and he's just got such um, a bit of an unorthodox style the way he plays, and he just. He lulls you to sleep at times, but just uh, an incredible guy. Uh, I'm so happy that he's doing everything he does with Shatler Academy and, and awesome that he's got um, that many points and the rest. Lyle may eventually catch him. Uh, I think Jameson, Jameson is going to oh, yeah, get him Jammer, before. Absolutely. Yeah. Lyle might get him but, too, but but Jammer's right there. He's about 760 think, or something. Yeah, and I think the you know when you look back at the Indigenous players from the early days of the National Lacrosse, like they were all very talented and and they were ground-breaking players, I think this generation of Indigenous players is going to be what sets the bench. Oh, God. I mean, you think about the, the Stotts brothers. Yeah, the Johnny Palace. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see um, that we can, that they still have a prominent role to play in our sport because they are our sport. Oh, and I love the idea from, from the Chancellor. They, they need to yeah. get an award. Uh, thousand percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I had down audio article here about the PLL and the maple syrup, but the man just pumped out another one at the lacrosse flash. So double down on Austin Owens articles. Try and say that 10 times fast that lacrosse flash. Don't actually try that. And uh, by the way, Audie Owens will be co-hosting next week. So that ties in nicely here, but a good couple of one on the PLL one about the NLL trades that just took place. 
Uh, Austin Owens at Lacrosse Flash. Uh, WLA Podcast, Ted Jenner. I expect you to co-host with me when Victoria is up. That will be about two months as they are last on the list because they start with a V and I'm doing alphabetical order and you can probably figure out the math on that. So Victoria is last, but I expect you to be there for that. But WLA Podcast, I figured this. Lax class comes out on Tuesday. OTCB comes out on Thursday. So why not give you a little WLA podcast? And I think that's just what I'm going to call it. WLA podcast. It's going to come out. WLA Wednesdays? Yeah. Wednesday WLA WLA podcast coming out uh, every Wednesday for about the next two months. I'm starting that one tomorrow. Uh, Paul Del Monte and Benny Hilgies will be my first guest. And then we're going to go through the teams alphabetically uh, each week. So look forward to that. What else do I got here? We talked about all the trades. Last thing I got is the team store. Get to the Lacrosse Flash team store. I I, I sent uh, Colleen a message last week. I said, what's a guy got to do to get some lacrosse classified gear up on the website? She said, talk to me, but do it when I'm sober. And I said, that that could be challenging. That could be challenging. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she was on holidays out there at the French River, so I didn't want to bug her, but I, I did kind of bug her, and, and the wheels are in motion. i got to get back on that and, and make it happen because I know the peoples want to order themselves some lax class swag. I think we're done on quick sticks, so why don't we go under review? It's time for Under Review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. Under review, brought to you by G. Wilson Construction, of course. GWilsonConstruction.com, an award-winning firm with a single focus, building fine custom homes. And uh, a lot of people out of work right now, and if you want to start your career in construction, GWilsonConstruction.com. Work with us tab, top right, upload your resume, wait for the phone to ring, or check your email or something. I don't know how they're going to work it, but you can start your career in the construction business with the fine folks at GWilsonConstruction.com. Proud sponsors of Under Review here on Lax Class. And uh, Under Review this week, Ted Jenner, this is your suggestion, and I liked it, so I agreed to it. And that's that. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's to, to discuss when and why is the right date and time for next year's National Lacrosse League season to begin, I defer to you. When would you like to see the NLL season start next year, and why? Um, see, I'm thinking more in the long terms of long term, not just because of COVID. I, I was thinking, when is the ideal time for the National Lacrosse League to play its season? And I'm of the like to start it later and have it go through the summer and into the fall. Mm. But as for when we should be starting as for the COVID, obviously we have to play by the rules and understand borders and government um, officials and all they have to say. Obviously, I would like to start in the new year. I think that is, let's just go Jan 1, like we've done in the past few years, have those January games and get started. I think we can condense the schedule, not as many bye weeks. If you're going to start in January, I think that's great. You can kind of still end around the same time. However, I would like to see lacrosse start like springtime and play through the summer and into the fall and 
try to maximize the summertime when there's not a lot of sports going on so we can have more eyes. Now, people might say, well, what about Canadian summer lacrosse? I don't want Canadian summer lacrosse to die. I think there just needs to be some modifications. And I truly believe, as rash as this sounds, that there needs to be a conjunction with the Canadian Junior League and then to the National Lacrosse League as that farm system and that growth system. And we can have a Canadian Junior system as a National Junior League and have that roll into the NLL, and we can get guys learning the NLL way. So I think if we can streamline those two, we can start the season later and make lacrosse blow up, Jake. Man. got to blow up. You went, like, ultra big picture there, which yeah. which which I like. I, I honestly, and I think we both agree on this, Teddy, that there needs to come a day where National Lacrosse League players are not playing summer lacrosse mm. anymore. A thousand percent. And and if we get to the point where players are full time, they're not gonna be no in the national lacrosse or the, the WA or the MLS or the MSL. So if we get to that point, I truly believe that there should be no senior A anymore. There should just be senior B, junior A, senior B, NLL. Let yeah. that be your system of lineage. Yeah. And, I mean and I know the other thing, like they have the ALL in Ontario and if they're going to have that and I think it's perfect right that season runs linear with the NLL season so they can pluck guys that are at the top of their game or the top of the scoring or whatever BC needs to to get something in place like that so they have a, a place where guys can stay sharp continue to play at a high level competitive level and be NLL ready should their number get tapped because as expansion happens that need is going to be even more prevalent so I, I think you're right. I, for me, I I think they we've seen the attendance numbers spike up in what March and April. That's kind of that's kind of their sweet spot. I really like leagues in general that have a significant start date. And if it's Jan one, I don't even care if that's on a Tuesday or a Monday or what. You start your season, so every year everybody knows. January 1st, there's going to be a National Lacrosse League game that's going to kick off the season. And we know that year after year after year after year. And I think that's really significant. I don't. It may not have to be January 1st. It could be Valentine's Day for all I care. But they need that date so people know this is when our season begins every single year. Instead of, oh, are we doing it in November? Are we doing it in January? Are we doing it in December? Is it going to be a week off? Figure that part out of it and, and then move on from there. And I I do like the idea of moving it a little deeper into the summer. You can't worry about summer lacrosse and having their feelings hurt or overlapping or, or whatever. Even with the PLL, I think you do what's best for the NLL. And if that means starting the season a little bit later and going deeper into the summer, so be it. And and let yeah. the dominoes fall where they may. But you got to do what's best for your league, and and can't you can't worry about everybody else. You know, we we are in a sport that you know, unfortunately, are oftentimes second, third fiddle in arenas. So we have to kind of take True. dates where they come. So saying you know, January first every time there's going to be a game. We can't necessarily always say that. We could say you know, the first weekend after the new year is when well, our league starts. Kind man, of I like think I, there's, I, I know, there's I enough teams where you could find one team. I think to make that fill that date. Like, not right. all 13 home dates are going to be gone on Jan 1 or whatever the yeah. date is. Fair enough. I, I appreciate that fact. But I think 
as a league, like you said, you can't worry about hurting feelings. If the National Lacrosse League is going to be the premier indoor lacrosse league, we need to make those steps and strides to continue to make that. And we need to make sure that our players are fit, healthy, and able every time they come into a season. Brock Sorensen, he would have been playing this year had he not gotten hurt in the man cup. Yeah. There has to be an NLL GM that gets frustrated every time a player gets hurt. Yeah, hold your breath, not man. Playing. Yeah. yeah. Like Jesse King's a perfect example. Every time, unfortunately, he was going out, he was getting hurt, yeah. whether it be in the summer or in the winter. They're, his GMs have to be cringing every time he gets hurt. But look, at, so, the problem is is that these guys are making whatever, 10, 15, 20 grand to play summer. So until those NLL teams can step up and say, here's the 20 grand you're not going to make playing summer lacrosse, we're going to pay it to you instead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to cross that bridge. And that's really the crux of it right now. Yep. And it's, and it's always been the crux. As, as long as those guys – and there may be people that don't know this. A lot of people do. There are some guys that make more money playing in the major series league and or the WA. Heck, even some guys who play senior B mm-hmm. will get a paycheck for their summer that is more than they make in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah. I was never one of those guys, Teddy. Neither I was I. I neither was I. <laughs> but we both know stories yes. of players yes. that have signed, whether it be a one-year deal or multiple-year deals, where they've been getting in excess of 15, 20K to go play. Yeah. No and, question about and, it. And the NLL can't compete with that because not yet. they're not able to pay them. Not yet. And that's what I mean. Once we get to full time, where our commissioner and our deputy and our GMs and owners want to get us, when we get there and guys don't have to play in the summer league, it's going to be because paychecks are there. Well, I tell you, if you were the GM of the New York Riptide and I was the defensive coach of the Calgary, I'm just kidding. That was under review, and I think that was uh, a lot of good points made there by yourself. I think I had a couple as well, and uh, hopefully the, the powers are be might be listening, might think that too. Let's take one final break here, Teddy, and come back. It's the fourth quarter. It's time for another round. Of Who You Got, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wears. Episode 87 rolls on here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Glenn Clark, the head coach of the New England Black Wolves. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified. No more breaks on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, just heard right there, PVL. Don't forget, Lacrosse Classified 20 is your promo code. Stay tuned to the Instagram as well. I'm always uh, reposting. They're giving away all sorts of stuff all summer long. Huge discounts available. Plus, you got the promo code Lacrosse Classified 20, Pure Vita Labs, Westberg, Ryland Reese, Curtis Dixon, Del Bianco, Challen Rogers, Callum Crawford. They're all on PVL, and the reason why, Teddy, is because they are the best supplements on the market, all natural, informed choice, you name it, PVL.com. Check them out, Lacrosse Classified 20, promo code. Let's play 
some who you got brought to you by Stampy Tack and Western Wear. I mentioned new store hours out there Monday to Saturday now. Online store always open. Shop online. It's still shopping local. Stampy.ca. Here we go, Teddy. Who ya got? Uh, four more fights. I mentioned these are four of the last eight remaining bouts here in this opening round. Uh, you'll be familiar with several, if not all, of these names on this uh, four-man fight card here. Let's start at the top, and and I think this guy is going to move into round two rather easily. I don't want to disrespect his opponent, but the champ, Andrew Suitsy Suter, going up against Daryl Welch here. I, I know you're familiar with what... Remember, <laughs> Jeff Snyder must have punched him in the face like 20 oh. times, right, Like, and he just stood there and soaked them all. I've never seen a guy take that many shots and hang in there like that from Snyder, but and he's up against Andrew Suter here. Teddy, Suter against Welch, who you got? Uh, I'm going to take Suter, but can I tell the Welsh story? Yes, absolutely you can. Okay. So that game where he fought Snyder was, if my dumb memory is p- correct, uh, was the first game for the Edmonton Rush. <laughs> and I was supposed to be in the game, but we had brought in Welch, and he wanted to fight Snyder, so I got scratched. Snyder went in and, and fought Welch. So I am sitting in Northlands Coliseum in the rafters all the way up top of the banners, right uh. above where this fight is happening. And we can hear every <laughs> single punch landing from Snyder's fist onto Daryl's face. It was incredible and disgusting at the same time. And every time I go back and watch that film, it's on I'm YouTube. Just, it's on YouTube. It's just, I. Daryl Welsh continues to come forward. Like that guy had no quit in him. And it's, it's almost when you watch it, like Snyder can't believe that yeah. he's still coming forward. He like has to stop, cock his hand. Really? You're going to do this again? And then hits him again right in the face. And then does <laughs> he's it like, again. Yeah, he's like, like punch drunk. He's, oh, pu- he's punched hundred percent. And then when we went back to the locker room at halftime and saw Daryl, he was just on the doctor's table and it was just lump purple, oh. black, red, blood coming everywhere and I, I again shady memory but i think he was supposed to go with bruce urban pat campbell and a few others on bruce's jet they were going to go to columbus for the ufc that uh yeah watch it yeah Probably, um daryl didn't make the flight i did uh, yeah and you're not making a very good case for for him to to get some votes <laughs> yet, no again, but, he is he is one of the toughest dudes i've ever met he yeah. was a monster like he was like six eight yeah and he was wasn't a skinny six eight he was like a big six eight but he just had this unorthodox fighting stance that suits or that snyder picked apart yeah, and i and think suits it's, would it's do very yes suits has that same fighting style uh, I'll take suits, and I'm sure you will as well. I will and did, and I, I think the voters will as well. So let's move mm-hmm. along here. Terry Oyam. I, I, I got to be honest here. I do not know a whole lot about Terry Oyam, but I, I asked uh, some of the older guard there, and, and in particular Rick Mang and, and a couple others, said you got to have Terry Oyam on 
the docket here. He's got to be in the tournament. So he is in the tournament here. And, and apparently, by all accounts, this guy was a pretty scary dude. Like, I don't think he lost too many fights in his career, if any. No, I don't think he did either. Uh, I'm actually just trying to find him on the lacrosse Bible. Okay, week. you do that. He you is, talk him up. Yeah, he, he, so he's former Berard. I know that. I want to say from like the 70s era, if I'm not mistaken. But he's going up against the guy from, from the newer school here, Maple Ridge Berard. He's got a man cup goal to his credit one more than I do, Teddy. Daniel <laughs> Amesbury, Painsbury, as he's affectionately known, going up against Terry Oyam here. Amesbury, Oyam, who you got? Um, I'm going to go with the reputation of just being a real badass dude and go Daniel Painsbury, Amesbury. Yeah, yeah. A Brad new papa, by the way, for Painsbury. Yeah. So uh, I know he'll be perusing Twitter. By the way, uh, I've over the last like few weeks, I think some guys have caught wind that this tournament is going out. Like I saw Kyle McEwen pop up on yeah. Twitter. He's created. I just saw a new new listener to the program. I believe he's a subscriber now. In one Andrew Ogilvy, I saw him pop up on Twitter. So I think he's keeping tabs on the tournament now. All of a sudden as well. So uh, um, for the record, Terry Oyam was a Barrard during the 1990s. 90s. Okay. Yeah, and uh, played on that team with Randy and, and Rod, Rod, Randy Jones, Rod Jensen, oh. JT was on that team. Early Todd 90s. Tanchuk, Early, yeah. Paul Dace, Droopy. So he played with some boys, but uh, yeah, he, sounds like he was a bit of a uh, bit of a tough guy. Okay. We'll go with Ainsbury. All right, uh, two down, two to go here. And, and and again, another guy I do not know a whole lot about, but uh, my buddy there, Ryan McMikes, I know you're, you're a big fan of uh, Uncle Frick there, Teddy. Uh, Frankie Littlejohn, he said, has to make the 64-man roster. I was looking for guys. I said, I'll throw you a bone here, McMikes. Frankie Littlejohn is in, and he's going up against a guy that you're very familiar with, former Shamrock, and not a big dude, but a tough dude in Chris Kinnear. Little John Kinnear, I I know who you got. Um, Frank Little John had 217 pims in the 95-96 Metro Junior Hockey League for the <laughs> Oshawa Legionnaires. Um, spent some time in the ECHL, uh -huh. the UHL. Okay. So this is actually a pretty good fight. Two hockey guys because Kinnear is a hockey guy too. A lot of hockey and, guys in this bracket. And, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot. Of, and I think. That's a telling tale sign. If you are a good hockey fighter, you're going to be a good lacrosse fighter because you don't have the unbalance of the skates. There but, you go. Um, the Chris Kinnear rise to fame and fall from fame, not really fall from fame, but his his 15 minutes of Short fame lived, yeah. um, all started because he was playing senior C here on the island. And he'd never really played the cross before. He was on the island and he started playing some senior C and he was just dummying dudes when he fought them. Yeah. And so there were a couple former Shamrocks playing senior C at that time. So they told Walt Christians, Walt Christians about him and Walt brought him up and we showed up for practice one day and we'd never seen this guy. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And they, yeah, it's Chris Kinnear. He's a tough guy playing senior C. I'm like, he's going to make the jump from senior C to senior A just like that. Yeah. And uh, once we found out what his strong points were, <laughs> yes. um, we were like, yeah, cool. And as the saying goes, whenever you have a guy like that in your lineup, you always feel Six tougher. inches taller. Yeah, you're 20 pounds yeah. heavier and six inches yeah. taller. And, and uh, you always knew Kinnear was going to have your back no matter whether you were a dirty guy or not dirty guy. Like, you always knew. If, if something happened, 
Kinnear had your back. Yeah, I got to say, uh, Maddie, me and Maddie Green, also in the tournament, uh, round one winner, got a great picture of him. Oh, you seen that one? It's kind of co- – he's in color. Ron Cristado's yeah. face is the best part of that picture. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, real cool picture from, from Maddie but, Green. Yeah, Kinnear, Kinnear is, is a beauty. He He's done so much great stuff for the community here in Victoria. He runs a Popeye supplement store. Um, but was an amazing fan favorite for everything they did. And Victoria's always needed to have one or two of those guys in their roster. We never really as Victoria, I can't say that, but we always had one or two guys that needed to be there to protect the superstars. And Kinnear was that guy and he did it. He did it perfectly and he loved his role doing it. Yeah. He did. I'll take, uh, I'll take uh, no fear, Kinnear. Okay, that's why he's little John. Yeah, I'll just go Western bias here and, hey, and take oh, take Kinnear as well. Uh, little John may may win this fight, and if he does, I don't really care. But I'll 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 take. Uh, what happens if you face him in the next round? Well, then we'll we'll discuss. I got to get out of the first round, and I gave myself a real. I'm looking forward to see who you match yourself up with. Well, I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you after. Okay. Uh, the program i'll tell you okay we got one more fight to go before we finish up here on ep87 it's a it's a beauty like I, this would be a did this fight ever happen i they came close in man cap 09 but yeah. they kind of squared off against different dudes i don't know if they've ever really had it but i would love to see like i think oh. this this would be such a good fight and it just so happens they meet in the first round i can't believe one of these guys is going to be out of the tournament but that's the way she goes here on the best lacrosse fighter of all time but Ilse, Ilya Geich, one of my favorite players of all time, going up against another one of my favorite players of all time. These, Teddy, I think I've told you this before. These are the type of guys that I love to watch play the game, yeah. that do it all. Yeah. And these two guys, uh, uh, and Brody sure. Merrill and Ilya Geich, could do it all. And now they're going to fight each other. Who you got? This is a tough one. A real tough one, Jake. I know. Because I know. Brody's got reach. And a real strong head. Serbian Tiger blood for Ilya Geich uh, going up against Brody Merrill. And uh, I love Ills, but I I think Brody wins this fight. I am. I think he wins this fight just off of uh, Orangeville Northman Nation getting getting behind their their captain here. 100%. I I don't argue that. And I probably think that I think. Brody would probably fare a lot better, but if Ills comes over the top and hits you with one of those. Yeah, or it gives you the hip toss. Hands, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll happen too. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it, man. Uh, you got anything else you, you need to get off your chest before you go? Don't forget OTCB coming up Thursday with Jessica Berman. Uh, get your questions into Teddy's. Yeah, he's, we're doing a, we're going to do an ask me anything kind of interview with her. So if you have any questions that you've always wanted to have answered, uh, now is the time we're going to talk expansion. We're going to talk ownership. We're going to talk starting date like we just talked. Uh, we'll talk Hall of Fame because I know people really want to know what's going on with that. So lots to get through with the deputy. Yeah. NHL's got the sheriff. We got the deputy. I don't mind yeah, it. So, uh, all right. Thanks to Dylan Ward for coming on the program. Always good to chat. With Dill, thanks to our sponsors, Stampede Tech, Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction. Thanks to you, the listener, for checking out Lax Class every single week. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to those podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast straight to your phone. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Teddy is teddy.jenner at gmail.com. He's also at Off the Crossbar. I am at PXP for sports. The show is at Lax Class. 
And that is it. Teddy, nice job co-hosting. I enjoyed it. I think we should do it again. I will join you anytime you need shotgun, buddy. That was EP87 of Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, check out that team store at Lacrosse Flash as well. For Ted Jenner, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, be safe and be healthy, everybody. <laughs>